Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. I want to I quickly get into it because I have a little bit I want to um, go over, but I, I, I just want to phrase with this this morning. I wanna, this morning I want to speak about the responsibility of the last day's church. Uh, the responsibility of the last day's church. And uh, I, I pray that I don't oversimplify this, but the truth is it's not as complex as it may sound. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 4. The book of Acts chapter 1, verses 4. And, uh, and then I'm going to read, and then we're going to go read the book of Acts chapter 1, verses, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1, and then we'll, we'll sort of see what we can accomplish in the next 30 minutes together. Acts chapter 1, verses 4, Jesus speaking, it says, And while they were uh, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, but you you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was Jesus saying, just wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit, he's gonna come. He is the promise. And you will receive power when he comes upon you. Acts 2, chapter one. Sorry, Acts 2, verses one. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The first scripture we read was the promise that Jesus was promising, and the next one in Acts 2 verse 1 was the fulfillment of that promise. Can I tell you, we serve a promise-keeping God, amen? We serve a God who's faithful to His Word. His Word will not return void. When He promises something, He's faithful to fulfill that promise. And uh, this scripture, it, it talks about, they're saying, you know, what, are you going to come restore Israel? And Jesus is like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the, the things that are in God's hand. He goes, but just wait, because when the Holy Spirit comes, can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that God ever gave humanity. And it's important to recognize it's not, you know, there's, there's God the Father, there's Jesus Christ the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. And the reason that I say that the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift is because Jesus, who we know is the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, He said, it's better that I go. So what's better than Jesus in the flesh? According to Jesus, it's that He's going to put His Spirit inside of us. 
that we would all become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, that we would be little Christ flooding the earth, making his name known. Jesus said, it's better than I go. So according to Christ Jesus, it's better that the Spirit would come upon all of his people than for Jesus to actually stay on earth. And for the human mind, that's like, but if Jesus was just here, he said, it's better that I go. You know, do you know, it's funny because Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name, amen? You guys know that? Like, it's not Mr. Christ. It's Christ the anointed one, the chosen of God, anointed by the Spirit of God. Jesus was functioning in full yielding to the, the, the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. He said, it's better that I go. So he promised, he said, just wait a minute. He said, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then in the book of Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, he came and it says that he, he, all of those who were there, he filled with his spirit. Now, I like uh, how the Old Testament is a wonderful, uh, often foreshadow of the things to come. And now, I don't know loads about Jewish feasts, but I do know there are three main Jewish feasts. The first one is Passover. Now, Passover is the Jewish feast that is to remember that when the Israelites were under Egyptian rule, they were slaves in Egypt, and God, with, you know, with Moses, sent the plagues, right? The plagues came, and the last plague was the angel of death, and God said to his people, um, so that the angel of death pass over you, I want you to go and sacrifice a lamb, and you need to paint the doorpost of your house so that when the angel of death comes, he knows to pass over your house. Well, that's, we know a picture of the blood of Jesus, the perfect lamb that was slain for the remission of our sins. So Passover in the Old Testament is a remembrance of the day the angel of death passed over the people of God. And we now know that Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice so that now we as believers are no longer subject to sin, death, and destruction, but life and life more abundantly. The second one is the, um, the, the feast of the uh, first fruits, which some um, sort of connect to when the Israelites left Egypt, right? And we, they would liken it to the resurrection of Jesus. Just a couple days later, the resurrection of Jesus. And then there's the feast of weeks, which is, we would call the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost just means 50 days. And it's 50 days from when the Israelites left Egypt to when, the Jesus, uh, so to when God gave Moses the law, the Torah. Okay, so God gave Moses the law 50 days after the exit of Egypt and 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the day that the Holy Spirit came and filled his people. Uh, it's, 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 such, you know, it's such beautiful pictures of a foreshadowing what to come. You know, I, I love that the picture that God gave Moses the law is the same day that he chose to come and put his spirit inside of all of us and move us out of the covenant of law and into the covenant of grace. Yeah. Out of legalism and into life more abundantly, into a life, you know, out of this, the era of the spirit can visit a man and come off a man to the era where the spirit of God now resides inside of all who would receive the gift of the spirit. It's a beautiful picture of the day of Pentecost. But what happens is, is that the Bible goes on that, you know, this is like a sound of a mighty rushing wind shook the place where they were, which I love because it wasn't an actual mighty rushing wind. It was a miraculous 
sign. It was, it was like the sound as if a rushing wind was there, but it wasn't a rushing wind. It shook a miraculous shaking of the building that they're in. And then it says that tongues of fire rested upon each one of their heads. And again, it's not, that's not just a, a cool uh, analogy for the presence of God. We would believe that there were actual flicks of fire upon their head representing that it's now the people of God filled with the Spirit of God. But again, they were miraculous signs. And out of that, they began to speak in other tongues, and the people came to persecute them and say, these guys are drunk. And that's where Peter comes out and he says, we are not drunk as you suppose. And this is why I want to talk about the responsibility of the last day's church, because, you know, for doomsday purposes, this is exciting, because I believe that we're in the last days. You guys know what a doomsday prepper is? This TV show came out of all these guys that bunker down. And, and any doomsday preppers in here? Okay, a couple of hands, good. Yep, yep. Pastor Sam, good, yep. Good to see. But this is what Peter says in verse 17. I'll, I'll read from 14. This is just after uh, the Holy Spirit came and they began uh, saying they're drunk and they're like, oh, no, we're not. We're not drunk as you suppose. And Peter says this. It says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Verse 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So Peter, coming out preaching the very first Holy Spirit anointed message in the new covenant, he says, this is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel prophesied, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We believe that we are all able to receive the Holy Spirit because he's poured it out onto all flesh. And Peter says, this is the last days. We know this because the Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh. But the disappointing thing for those doomsday preppers is that for, you know, a thousand days is as though a day for the Lord. So we're like really only two days into the last days, which means we've got a little bit of time to go. But you know, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is this promise of his coming? That, speaking of the return of Jesus. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. We'll get into the part we really want to get to in just a second. By which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. We are living in the last days, but friends, it's not our responsibility to know when that day comes like a thief in the night. Our responsibility is to understand that God is not slack on His promise, but He is long-suffering towards us. That one day to God is like a thousand years because He's patient, because He desires that not one would perish. And that all would be saved. Our responsibility as the last day's church of Jesus Christ is to not sit back and hunker down for our ascension. It's to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the world looks dark and dim. You know, people are saying outrageous things. We're all aware of what the world sounds like at the moment. They've lost their marbles, let's be honest. But our job's not to hunker down and hide. Our job's to press on, step in, push forward, preach the gospel, heal the sick, make disciples, cast out demons, and let's not waste the time that God's giving us. Let's step forward and embrace the season that we're in, head on and say, we will not shy back. We will not sit back. We are the people of God called for such a time as this, anointed with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. This is our day, that day of pain. Pentecost was the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, and a Christ-centered church is the hope for humanity. Come on, if you believe it, somebody give him praise this morning. So I quickly want to just run through a couple of thoughts that I believe is the responsibility of the last day's church, which is us, a spirit-filled church. We don't come just to do church. We believe in the life-giving spirit of God. That brings hope to the hopeless, life to the lifeless, peace to the anxious, healing to the sick and tormented. Amen? What it says is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word power, we understand, is, 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 comes from the word dynamis, which means explosive or miraculous power. When we receive the Spirit of God, we step into a place of explosive, miraculous power in how we're supposed to live our lives. We we, we believe that we serve a mighty God who is beyond all capabilities, who's who's a miracle-working God, who gives us, you know, unfair favor in this world. We receive miraculous, explosive power. But it says for a reason, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness. We receive miraculous, explosive power when the Spirit comes upon us for a purpose, and that purpose is to be a witness to the world of the saving power of Jesus Christ. We don't receive the power of the Holy Spirit so we can shake, rattle, and roll on the floor, although that can be fun. We receive power for the purpose to be a witness of the Savior, Jesus Christ. This world needs us to shine the goodness of His name, the the greatness of His power. 
We receive power to be a witness. And this is where Peter gets up and he says, we're not drunk as you suppose, but right now we are living in the fulfillment of the prophecy by the prophet Joel that we are in the last days and now the Spirit of God is poured out upon all flesh that the witnesses of Christ would not just be a pastor on a platform, but it would be the people of God. That we all have received this power. And there's about five things I want to show you that happened in, in conjunction to this day when this people of God were filled with the power of God. And the first thing is this, is that the gospel was preached. The first responsibility of the last day's church is that we would preach the gospel. That we'd have a confidence to share our faith beyond a Sunday moment. Peter gets up and he, he begins to speak to them and tell them what's happened. And it says he goes and he starts preaching and he starts telling them, you crucified Jesus. And they're all sitting back like, oh no. And he says he preached and he, he accused them. They're like, well, and he's like, you crucified Jesus. You're the ones who sat there and called for the freedom of a murderer above the Savior. You put him on the cross. You, and it says it cut to the core of them. He preached the gospel. He said, this is Jesus whom you crucified. And they said, well, what are we supposed to do? And he said, repent. Come, be saved. Receive Jesus for the remission of your sins. Repent and be baptized. And it says that he preached the gospel. And guys, can I tell you, the gospel in its essence, in its core, is an offensive message. The message of the cross is offensive because it says that you and I are sinful people destined for destruction. And the only way out of that death and destruction is through repenting from our evil ways and surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. The world won't always receive the message because the truth is the world are destined for destructions, dead in their sin, and there's only one way out of it and His name is Jesus. And if we're living in the last days and God is not slack on his promise, he's giving us time to reach as many as possible, then we have a responsibility as the last days church to not step back in fear and timidity, even though our voice is trying to be silenced, it's to continue to preach the gospel. I say it often, but we don't serve an angry God in heaven who sent Jesus to send people to hell. The truth is the world is already destined for destruction. We serve a loving God in heaven who saw humanity's destiny for destruction and said, I'm not satisfied with that, so here's my son to give you a way out and into life abundantly. A spirit-filled church, the last day's church, our responsibility is to tell the world about Jesus because we receive miraculous explosive power for a purpose and that purpose is to be a witness of the Savior Jesus Christ, the saved one that saved you and the saved one that saved me, amen? The second thing is this, that the church grew. Our responsibilities as the end day church is to make disciples. It says that that day Peter preached the gospel and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. The continuation of that 3,000 member church is you and I sitting here today. 
because of a thing called disciple making, teaching others as God has taught you. That Jesus said, make disciples, teach them everything that I taught you. Our responsibility is to take what we learn, whether it be on a Sunday, whether it be in a small group, and to teach somebody else what someone else taught you according to the Word of God, that we would give our lives to see people multiplied and step into their destiny as the children of God. The end days church is a growing church. We, we don't sit back on this nonsense of like, well, God's not all about numbers. He absolutely is all about numbers. He leaves the 99 to reach the one. Both 99 and one are numbers. And when the spirit, we're called to grow, you know, one, two, three thousand if necessary. But Jesus, sorry, God is waiting. He's saying, I'm not sending Jesus back yet because y'all got work to do. I, we, we don't want to build a mega church. We want to build the church of Jesus Christ. Open our doors. You know, we're a church of 10 locations, and it's just the beginning because we want to influence our world for good and for God. We are called to grow and make disciples. Make it your responsibility. Get in a small group. Start a small life group. Like, don't sit back and just be timid in your faith because we are the Spirit-filled believers of Jesus Christ and you have something to give someone else. Discipleship is part of our responsibility to disciple someone else. You know, we don't know how long we can keep going the way we're going. The best way to grow the church might be purely one-on-one relational conversations. We serve the living God and He's a stumbling block to the world. We are called to make disciples. A spirit-filled end days church's responsibility is to not just preach the gospel, but it's to make disciples. There's a, a guy in South Africa who runs a very big church, and their mission statement is this. Win the lost at any cost. Mend the nets so the catch is great. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. We don't want to just preach the gospel and have hands go up in an emotional moment because someone can use their voice to create emotion very well. We want to mend the net so the catch is great. We don't want fish slipping out the net. We want to get as many as we can because God is not slack on His promise. He is long-suffering for us, not desiring that any would perish. Amen? The third thing is, The responsibility of the last day's church is that we are to manifest kingdom power, miraculous power. Peter went on and preached the gospel and 3,000 were saved that day and the church, it says, it continued to grow daily and they grew in in the word of God and in prayer and in in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They were growing, meeting together, doing life together because we're the family of God, amen? I know we gather as like a big feast every Sunday, big family dinner, but we're also to connect in our other areas. We know that because of discipleship. But it goes on in that this church began to perform signs and wonders as part of the witness of who Jesus was. We are a spirit-filled church endued with miraculous power. And some people think that the power of God died with the apostles on the miraculous power died with the apostles. But their problem is, is they're putting too much emphasis on the prophets of God, the apostles of God, and not on the spirit of God. Because if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, then I can tell you I have dead raising power and so do you. 
God didn't stop expressing his power, his love through his power back then. He's continuing to do it day by day. And it says that Peter and John, on their way to the temple, there was a man who was reaching out asking for alms. It's the famous story of the man at the gate, beautiful. And he looks up and he, he says, Peter looks at the man and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, what, so what, and what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it says the man was miraculously healed instantly. They were manifesting the power of God to a world that needed miracles. That's part of our responsibility is to find ourselves in a place of faith where we believe in a supernatural God, which means he's superior to the natural realm. Diabetes is real. We just serve a God who's superior to the natural diagnosis. We have to be a people that believe. Even when we don't see, we keep on believing. If I stopped believing because I wasn't seeing, I never would have ever seen. Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and yet do not see. There's something about having faith when we're not seeing that produces miraculous power to start to manifest around our lives. And I, there was a, 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 last time I was here last week, there was a life group story about miracles happening at life group. Isn't that amazing? God can do miracles outside of Sunday services, outside of televangelists. He can do it. He's that big. He's that good. He's not limited to white jackets and prayer cloths and pay me this much money for your miracle. He's limited by his people who won't believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth can be the same God to open blind eyes, the same God to open death. We have to believe it. People think we're crazy. I get questioned all the time. Yeah, but is that real? I'm like, I, I can't convince you it's real. I'm just going to keep seeing back straight and I'm just going to keep on seeing eczema leave. I'm just going to keep on watching crooked noses straighten. You can do what you want, but I have a responsibility in the last days as a spirit-filled believer to see the miraculous power of God manifested in my life and guess what so do you we have a responsibility to show the world that we don't just serve a God in heaven who's distant but a God whose kingdom is at hand we believe in a miraculous God number four is we have a responsibility to endure persecution Maybe the worship team, you guys can come a little bit earlier than I anticipated. But Peter and John healed the man, and he was so excited. He jumped up, and he was telling everybody and all these things. And what happened is that the religious leaders all began to see the commotion and came over. And, you know, I can be quite vocal. I've been thinking about it a lot lately and, you know, one comment I sometimes get, you know, it's, you know, Joel, it's like, I know what you're saying is right, but it's just how you say it. And I've decided I'm happy to put my head on the chopping block for you lot. You know, I don't think everybody has to be out there and be loud and, but thank God that some are. Because our, 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 our liberties as believers are being taken very quickly. Do you know? Not to put fear in you, but let's just... There's a thing that got put out. I can't remember exactly where it was from, but there's like... They reckon there are two countries that are ripe for a communist takeover without resistance. And unfortunately, we're on the list. 
two countries that they think are ripe for a communist takeover without resistance. Just like, yep, yeah, all right, we're good. Like, you, you know, law, you watch laws are being passed that silence our beliefs. And there, there are states in our country, like Victoria, where it's illegal to counsel someone through scripture on their lifestyle. It's illegal, not, not like shunned, like it's, you can't do that anymore. These guys came and they were, what happened is that Peter and John were then taken away. They were arrested. These Pharisees, these, the people of that day, they weren't upset about the miracle. They were upset about how it was done and whose name it was done in. Because what happened is that they took them and, they, oh, and they're like, man, this is a real miracle. What are we going to do? Like, this is awkward. Like, we don't like what they're doing because they're saying it was Jesus. And that definitely can't be true because he's dead. And they didn't like how it was done. They didn't care that he was healed. They recognized the miracle. They just didn't like how it was done. And what happened is Peter and John were then put and they were forbade, the Bible says, to speak in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, this wasn't by the Romans, guys. This was by the religious leaders. Sometimes persecution is not always going to come from where you think it's going to come from. Can I, can I say this thought? Be really careful in your journeys that you don't slay a brother in the name of preserving your name in front of other people. Our loyalty is to Christ and His church. The world is our mission. I don't live to impress the world. I live to preach the gospel, make disciples, build people up in holiness and righteousness and purity and power so that we can reach the world. But not everybody's going to like the message we have to say. Salvation is for everybody. Sorry, the love of God is for everybody. But salvation is limited to those who believe. I remember preaching in a meeting in South Africa. And I was preaching strong. It was like an outreach meeting in, in the main city. And, you know, I was preaching and my veins were popping and sweat dripping. I was really going for it. And I said, listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Allah is a false God, which is like not a good thing to say in the world or in the church these days. And what happened, that, that night was one of the most miraculous nights I've ever, ever seen, the way God moved, the things that happened. But after the meeting, there was this pastor who came to me and said, hey, look, we're pretty disappointed. We had this Muslim couple in our church and we brought them to an outreach meeting, mind you. Uh, we, we brought them and when you said that, they walked out. We've been working on them for two years. And I just said, listen, I'm really sorry. And, and that breaks my heart. My, my goal is not that people would walk out on the message of Jesus. But it's amazing how many people focus on the two that walked out because they were Muslim and not on the 40% of the room that stood up for the altar call. My, I, I don't, we're not called to reach specific people groups. We're called to preach the gospel and reach those who will receive it. Yeah. Right. We all do it in our different ways, but just because somebody doesn't like it doesn't make it true. The truth is there is only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. That means Allah is a false God. Yeah. 
That means every other religion is a distraction that leads people to hell. And that's true. And it's not popular preaching, but it's the reality of God. I love people enough to tell them the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I will live according to his word, even if it puts me in prison. I know it's easy to say, but we have to understand. We have to be ready. We are in the days. I'm not saying it's tomorrow. I'm not saying it's next week. I'm saying we're in the last days and the thief will come in the night to take us away one day. But until then, we cannot shy back. They were persecuted not for a miracle, but for whose name the miracle was done in. Ah, it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's so much more than Sunday services. So much more than great worship teams. We are the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are commissioned with the responsibility to be a witness of the greatest man who ever lived, who was not just a man, but was also God. We have the privilege to be filled with His Spirit living on the inside of us. If you're not excited about being a part of the church, guys, you need a reality check. You need to lay your life down. God's not looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels who will say, I am willing to to follow your lead, whatever it looks like. And number five is that we have a responsibility to press on even when persecution happens. I've been gymming lately, doing lots of squats, and if you're not, and my program gets heavier every day I go. Three days a week, the squats get heavier every single time. In the beginning, it's like, oh, this is pretty easy. Till last week. And then I had to like, I could not do the weight. It was really embarrassing. Like, and I, I get down real low and I just, ah, and you can't do it, you have to pull. And I don't, like, you could just give up there. I'm like, but my program tells me I have to do it again. I'm like, oh no. So that's Monday, comes Wednesday. Get there. He said, I couldn't do it two days ago. Why on earth would I be able to do it now? Right, it doesn't make any sense. So I get down low. Well, crushed it. <laughs> two days later, same weight, couldn't do it then, did it two days later. Right. We're called to press on. Right. It's not always going to be easy. Yeah. We're not always going to get it right. Maybe I have said some things wrongly. Press on, keep going. Yeah, on. You know, whenever I do anything that I consider a bit outrageous or bold, I always go back to God and ask Him for, for correction or... You know, yeah, thanks, God. And I ask him, like, should I have done that? And he'll either comfort me or correct me. If he comforts me, I press on. If he corrects me, I say sorry and press on. Peter, it says that these apostles, they were told they cannot preach in the name of Jesus. And it says that they went back and they got together and they prayed. And they said, God, they're coming at us but you're a mighty God. Would you stretch out your hand to heal? And they said, would you give your servants boldness and courage? They prayed to God and said, it's not looking good for us, but we know we got to press on. And they prayed and it says, and the Holy Spirit came and refilled them all again. It's like a double filling. 
said that that same spirit that filled them back in the day of Pentecost, now where however many days or years on came and comforted them. And it says, and they went out and continued to preach the word with all courage and all boldness. They said, you decide whether it's right for men, but we're going to submit to God because we can't help preach what we've seen and what we've heard. We've got a responsibility to press on regardless of what's in front of us, regardless of the sickness that's plaguing us, regardless of the family situation that's around us, regardless of our bank account, regardless of the government, regardless of coronavirus, regardless of any darn virus, we are called to press on. We might have to take a step back, but we keep pressing on. And the Spirit of God will comfort us. He'll give us boldness. In that time, if you step out, you will never walk on water if you never take your foot out the boat. It's amazing how supernatural His grace is to empower you when it looks impossible, but it takes you taking the step to see the grace manifest, to see the miracle manifest, to see God comfort you and guide you when you thought you'd never be able to walk on the water. We're called for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.